Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, and we're bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. So that means I'll be talking with Alexis Cubitt, our high school sports writer, a little bit about finally some football, Alexis. I'm ready. I'm so ready for it. I think everyone is just ready to not talk about all the stuff that's happening, kind of what you mentioned the last time we did this podcast, but finally being able to talk about football games that are happening. Not scrimmages, not practices, but football games. And we got plenty to talk about. Uh, in terms of the football slate that we got this weekend starting on Thursday with uh, Seminole headed to Lubbockia Plains Capital Park, it's going to be your first. But I, I'm pretty sure it's your first time at Lowry uh, Field, correct? It'll be my second. I covered um, Plainview playing Lubbockia last year. Well, my first one in this capacity. Well, there you go. So you, you'll get to enjoy the, the nice uh, posh posh palace that I enjoy to it's amazing. cover some games at. So obviously it's going to be a good one. we got some other games that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Talk some friendship volleyball tournament. You were at that. So we'll definitely get a couple words. Some uh, players that you kind of noticed, some young players that are kind of stepping into their roles with some of the teams that you saw, that being a friendship, a Coronado, Monterey, who kind of stepped up with the way that they played a little bit, and some others as well. And then, of course, in our second portion, I'll be talking with someone, uh, either a head football coach or a player, haven't been able to knock that down yet because I'm pretty busy right now, unfortunately. That's what happens with the football season, but we'll definitely get someone to chat with, and don't forget to stay tuned for that. But before that... Let's talk a little bit of volleyball. I know uh, you were really busy the last couple of weeks because I saw your timesheet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little inside joke there. But um, friendship tournament. I guess what, what were you expecting to see out of it? I know you knew what you had with friendship and Randy True and company, Devin Nairn, all of them. I guess what did you see from them? I know they didn't get the title that they were looking to defend, right. but what did you see from them? You know, first of all, I want to say I hope that Devin Nairn is okay. She went down uh, there against. Bushland with an angle injury, so yeah. hope she's okay. Hope that all that's well. She's definitely a, a young and up-and-coming talent that yep. um, will definitely bode well for them in the future. But, you know, I think Friendship will be a, a strong team. I like what I saw from them. Um, I got a chance to talk to Gracie Harrison on Friday night after that and just seemed like kind of a, a really scrappy, feisty player there. She's, you know, be having more of an all-around role in mm-hmm. that. You know, she'll go from maybe, you know, she didn't do obviously as much setting, but I mean, because they have Kayton, who's yep. great. Um, but I mean, she'll go for digs, she'll serve, she'll hit. I mean, I think if she had to sit, she probably would. So it was nice to see her there. Um, they had some really good hitters, too. I mean, mm-hmm. between you had Allie Mayfield or Aliana, mm-hmm. um, you know, just all those girls. So uh, Madison Ramsey with blocks coming up. It was just really great to see from them. And then, of course, you had, you know, Coronado and Monterey who played each other there for the silver bracket. Uh, Lubbock High was there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just a, a really – it's it was nice for me just because, I, you know, 
obviously, like I mentioned, the schedule of being so busy, not being able to get to everybody, to have yeah. everybody so centrally located, you know, especially with, uh, you know, Coronado and Monterey mm-hmm. district starting. So it was all in all, I would say from my perspective, it was a good tournament. It's almost like you knew what I was going to ask you. So I know you mentioned Coronado and Monterey. You had a column mentioning how they got an early peek at each other. I guess right. what kind of peek did you get from Monterey and Coronado? I know everyone knows Aaliyah Gray, Carson Edwards, but I guess talk a little bit about what Monterey's got in terms of just their players and kind of all those things. Yeah, Monterey, I would say uh, one of the things that we talked to Coach Kelly Lozada about is just, I think we mentioned it last or last week rather also, is that you know, these are girls who have been playing together since their eighth grade season. Yep. So they've gone through, you know, the growing pains. They know each other like they're sisters, basically. Um, and they're they're big, you know, and I don't mean that in like a tall. You know, right. They're tall girls. So you have tall, you have height, mm-hmm. you have talent, you have chemistry. I mean, I think that's what any coach would want out of a volleyball team. Um, just those three things all together are great and working really really well for them then you have you know kelly mora there who's a freshman who's Mm -hmm. already i believe like six feet tall and you could just as you watch her play you could see that progression coming along where you know she might have been timid on you know a hit but the next time around she's smacking it down and i would not want to be on the other side of a kelly mora hit right now i always used to have a little ranking of that when i was covering high school of uh Girls, when I watch to uh, smack the ball kind of to the ground, is to what I want my face to be on the other end of that. Yeah. So, I, so, so I can kind of imagine how hard she's smacking it, which yeah. is a good thing for Kelly Lozada because you know Taylor Salsky, their setter, has mm-hmm. plenty of hitters to kind of throw the ball up to. That being a Maddie Stevens and Nadia Morales, Serena yeah. Garcia, you got so much talent there. But Coronado obviously has some talent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned Leah Gray, Carson Edwards. I guess what, what have you seen from from the old lady Mustangs, and then a little bit about Lubbock Cooper because they're also in three five A as well. Yeah, well, obviously, like you mentioned, Leah and Carson would be the the top hitters right now. Mm-hmm. But I think you can also see some promise from Honey Zuber, who's uh, mm-hmm. one of the younger players, but a setter. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously that being a very important role for her. I believe she's a junior right now, so you know her getting that experience. And even though you know she's younger than uh, Carson and Aaliyah, mm-hmm. she's still getting that experience from players that know what they're doing. So I think that's going to be really good for Casey Trout in the future, and just having you know, that younger player coming along. So with Carly Morrison of Lovett Cooper, what what do they have? Because I know uh, D- Demaya Hill someone you've kind of mentioned to me before, yes. Jenna Patterson, Caitlin Mayo. It's Jenny a nice little Farmer. trail you got there, but the one thing is they're all young, and I think that's right. really the, the, the key here for Carly Morrison is just to find them experience going into the rest of the fall. Exactly. I feel like it's kind of one of those glass half empty, half full deals where, yeah, you know, they're not as experienced. They lost a lot last year, but you figure she's got – a ton of girls to choose from. Mm -hmm. I mean, just I got a chance to see them against uh, Seminole. I believe that was last week. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, their rotations are, I mean, you never know who it's going to be in. Just, you know, all the girls that are there. So, like you mentioned, um, those girls. And then you have, you know, Hope Douglas coming in or Mm -hmm. even a Tatum Farmer. So, um, I know one of the things that Coach Morris liked to emphasize is just that team feel and, you know, not putting too much uh, spotlight on one player. And, I mean, that's not hard to do because at any given night, I feel like any one of those girls can have a really, really great game. And then you have two setters also, you know, with Shelby Sneed kind of being a little more in the forefront there for Lubbock Cooper. So um, if they can't, you know, get it done this year, I mean, next year is extremely promising. 
And just kind of rounding out a little bit, we got Lubbock High, of course, and uh, Lubbock ISD as well. That's in District 35A. You got mm-hmm. Kennedy Shepler. She's obviously a good one as well. So you've seen a lot of local teams, but you're also trying to kind of expand yourself. You've covered a couple of teams outside the Lubbock ISD uh, bubble, so right. to speak, uh, for lack of a better term, at least, should I say. But tonight you're going to be covering Idaloo Plains. Plains is traveling to Idaloo. It's going to be an interesting situation because you've got two small school teams. You're going to see a lot of girls that play multiple sports. You're right. going to probably see them at other places. I guess what are you expecting from the Lady Wildcats and, Lady, and the Cowgirls? Um, I hope to see just a competitive match. I know the last time they played, which was seven days ago, yep. Uh, I was talking to both coaches. They went five sets. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it's probably going to be like that again. Um, Idaloo hit a bit of a, a bad stretch mm-hmm. and just having injuries. Three, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's all ankle injuries. Yep. You know, so watch your ankles, ladies. Yes. Um, and I think two of those injuries were setters. Mm. So you had um, Emma Craig now who's being pulled up. Yep. Or, I'm sorry, who's playing setter. And then yep. a JV player who's pulled up to play setter. So they used that uh, Philly Festival over the weekend to kind of iron out the kinks, see who works well together. And so this will be their first match during the week to have those kind of rotations and for um, Taylor Ann Harbert, their coach, to see who can kind of step to the forefront. And, you know, even when those girls come back from injury, they'll have to work through that. But, I mean, it never hurts to get more experience for more players. And certainly the Cowgirls have five seniors, so they've got plenty of experience starting with Carly Hampton. So it should be an interesting one, Uh, certainly one that'll be kind of fun just to watch just because you're going to obviously, as I said before, you're going to see some girls that are going to be playing multiple sports. You're going to kind of see the the type of skill sets that you have to have, different skill sets, should I say, for different sports, but you're going to see how it all comes together Mm -hmm. uh, for each of those those sports. Right now being volleyball, of course, with Idaloo. You're going to know how good they are once they get to the volleyball season, and you'll get to talk to my buddy, uh, Mr. Helms, Tyler Helms, of the women's or women's girls basketball program. I'm thinking Texas Tech right now. Mm-hmm. But as we uh, kind of wrap that up into volleyball, I guess uh, any final thoughts on that as we kind of switch from volleyball to football? Well, I mean, I'm just, as always, looking forward to seeing, you know, how everybody fares in district and, you know, like we talked about that young talent, kind of seeing how they progress and, you know, come to the forefront because I think we can – uh, definitely predict that there's going to be some great volleyball in the area within the next coming months and years for sure. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, don't forget to send all your results and stuff to Alexis or, of course, sports at LubbockOnline.com, or you can also call 806-766-8736. So for, after the shameless plug, we'll switch to a little bit of football, and we got some breaking news. I just got a text from Shallow Water Coach Brian Wood, so I'll be chatting with him in the second portion of our podcast. So appreciate him. He's going to have a big game. Speaking of Idaloo, they're going to be playing the Wildcats. Uh, had some really good matchups of uh, the last couple of years, one being uh, the initial uh, Texas football days uh, opening game, so to speak, uh, where they had the whole game broadcast. It was thought that Idaloo had a really good team that year, and Shallow Water just kind of came out of nowhere, Brian Wood. So it'll be interesting to kind of talk with him about that and just how the start of the season goes with them. But speaking to start the season, Seminole at Lubbock High, what yeah. do you got going on for that one? So that'll be another interesting one. Um, last year, Seminole won that one 21 to 7. And- yep then went on to have a really good year. Um, but you have, like we mentioned last week, Ty Palmer coming into his first game. But at the same time, you have Shane Steven there at Lubbock High coming into a second year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first year is kind of where you're, I feel like, learning your team. Mm-hmm. And now the second year will be where he says, you know, okay, this is what I like. This is what I didn't like. Here's what we're going to do to change it. I know he talked a lot about um, – 
just changing the the reputation of Lubbock High yep. and being more of a physical team. I'll get into that in my preview, which will be available in Thursday's paper. Oh, Another shameless plug. Good. <laughs> You're learning. Um, and so, um, yeah, just kind of that physical. I know they got into the weight room a lot. Um, so working through more of a we before me mentality as far as not having individuals on a team, mm-hmm. um, but just playing together more. So um, they'll have that. Obviously, Seminole has, even though they have a new coach, they have a lot of experience coming back. Um, I know the run game is something that's real important. So they'll mm-hmm. have a couple couple different options there, Dylan Stokes being one of them. Um, but, yeah, that should be a good game. I know Coach Palmer is talking about just, you know, being able to play at Plains Capital Park is something they're looking forward to just because of, like we talked about, how amazing the stadium is. And yep. you don't see that in uh, 4A football. So that's something that they're also kind of looking forward to as far as playing Lubbock High. I think for me, uh, and then just to kind of obviously mention some stories that have been in the paper, Owen Fuambu, a really interesting little uh, case that you had in uh, today's paper, that being on Tuesday the 27th, a kid that, Thought he was short, but probably because he was only 13 when he was right. a sophomore at Lubbock High, and now as a uh, 15 to 16, 15 going into 16, uh, he's going to be able to graduate as a 16 year old potentially with a diploma. So it just goes to show the type of uh, knowledge you have on a Lubbock High squad. But not only that, but then the type of player that Shane Stephen is looking for—a mm-hmm. guy that's very team first. That's one thing that you kind of mentioned throughout his story. In terms of he's willing to do whatever is needed. And when you look at a wide receiver cornerback, which is kind of interesting when you look at a 5A program, Lubbock High doesn't have the numbers that you would necessarily right. think of when you look at a class 5A program. So that's why you kind of see this toughness, this type of uh, gritty attitude that Shane Stevens is looking for. And I think this team is starting to get there. As you said, it's the second year. I think it's going to take him about three or four years to kind of get to Probably. that. And I think, yeah. uh, and I think uh, kind of everyone sees it going there. Their weight room's getting renovated. They're starting, as you mentioned, a little bit more getting into the weight room a little bit more because you have more uh, facilities to kind of do all that thing. So it's going to be interesting to me, be interesting to see, pardon me, for me, what Lubbock High is able to do. Are they going to be physical? Are they going to run the football? Are they going to try and pass the ball? Because typically if you want to be that tougher team, you want to run the football, you want your offensive line to kind of get that advantage, get that quick step off when you play. Seminole, on the other hand, has that with uh, Dylan Stokes. you got a real talented kid. Real speedy, real shifty, but will the offensive line be able to block for him? And yes, you mentioned the first year is always tough for a coach, but it certainly helps when you have Kent Jackson, who's been running things the last several years for Seminole, legend in the game. And not only that, but you've been working under him. So yes, there's going to be some things that will be held from the foundation, but he's going to put a little bit of small little tweaks that kind of make it his own. Mm -hmm. For sure. Looking forward to that one, definitely. Absolutely. You'll be at that one. And then, of course, George Watson will as well. So we've got that one all covered because it's the first game of the year. Everyone's excited. We get to finally talk about football, as I mentioned at the top of it, rather than just talk about scrimmages and can who beat who. But speaking of that, we're going to do some predictions real quick before we get to the other ones. Who do you think is going to win this one? I am going to go with Seminole. Okay. I'm going to go with Seminole as well. I'm going to go probably the same amount. Not necessarily going to say that it's going to be super close or super blowout-ish, but I think a 28-14 to 14 game is something that we can see. Lubbock High is going yeah. to get some good momentum. They're going to get some scoring drives going. They're going to keep it close early. But I think Seminole's got the talent and the determination, so to speak, to give Ty Palmer his first victory this year. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think that they can – I know one of the things Tasha was the, just that physical game, and I think yep. Seminole definitely has that factor to them. Speaking of physical, it's going to be pretty physical when Coronado and Estacado play. I remember the last time I watched these two teams, the last couple years when they have started off the season, that offensive line of Coronado against that defensive line of Estacado has been something to watch. If you just enjoy watching football, just watching those kids go after it, that is something to behold, and that's certainly going to really bode well into this game and see which team does win because last year, I know I've spoken to Coach Seth Parr about it. He's been on record about it. He has stated multiple times Estacado's defensive line was the toughest one they played all year, which is saying something because Estacado being a 4A a school, pardon me, obviously doesn't have the numbers that Coronado does, but to say that that type of team just has that toughness, it just goes to show what Joe Cooley and company have been able to do. Um, In terms of what Coronado has, it's going to be a little different this year. They were young last year on the offensive line. They took their licks last year. I think it's going to be a lot more improved, but... Estacado defense has improved as well. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I'm going to go opposite. I'm wanting to see Estacado's offense go against Coronado's defense. That's going to be key. I feel like we talk a lot about Estacado's defense and yep. Coronado's offense just because of, you know, like Sawyer Robinson and then for, uh, you know, Estacado, their defense, they have, you know, Cedric mm-hmm. and Papa Blewett and mm-hmm. all those guys. So, um, yeah, I want to see, you know, kind of what Coronado's defense can do against, you know, Jeremiah Dobbins. Um, Estacado obviously working out who they want to put at quarterback. So I think that's definitely going to be fun. And uh, Coronado definitely has some talent there um, on defense in their junior class with, you know, Charlie Robinson and Isaiah Kelly, um, Trey Ellis, another one coming back. So I think that'll be another aspect that, you know, maybe people aren't paying attention to just because of the other sides of the balls for each of them, you know, getting a little more attention. But um, I like to be different, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from that angle. I like that, and I will say this. If Estacado can figure things out offensively early where they can get those big plays that maybe they didn't have before, they've certainly got the athletes to kind of really pop the top off of defense, but it's a matter of can they get a quarterback that can put the ball where they need it. Right. If they're able to do that, watch out for the rest of Class 4A and that run that Estacado could have later this year against Coronado. It's going to have to be really pick and choose because Coronado's got some really good players as well on that side. And not only that, but like I mentioned, Coronado's got more players because they're a 5A. Estacado's going to have to balance the fact of, yes, you want to be tough. Yes, you want to go hard every play. But at some point, you're going to have to slow down a little bit, kind of keep your energy down a little bit. So it would be very interesting to me if Estacado gets off to a quick start. Mm -hmm. Their defense could be really, really tough to play against. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So I guess, uh, what do we got next? I know we had that one. Shallowwater Island was something I wanted to mention just because of Brian Wood. We're going to talk to him later in this podcast in the second portion. Uh, they've got some guys coming back. Creed Katara. He's going to hopefully uh, help out on the wide receiver part because he's going to go from cornerback and play some wide receivers. So that should be interesting. I know Cutter Sparks is not there anymore. So I think that's going to be the one interesting factor for uh, the Mustangs. Can you find a quarterback? Because if you do, you got plenty of weapons to throw to. Yeah, definitely. I think Brian Wood has some talent for sure there. Um, you know, like you wrote about Creed Katara kind of going from just defense. Now he'll be playing on the offensive side of the ball also. Yep. So, um, you know, I think it'll it'll be interesting to see who kind of comes out of that and who who shines and, you know, moving forward what Shallow Water has to offer. And Idaloo has plenty to offer as well. Ray Rodriguez, they've got a real good defense, as they've shown last year when they bounced back with the eight wins uh, last season. And then, of course, you've got an offense that basically milks the clock if it 
kind of works to perfection. And then, of course, you're getting first downs, milking the clock down, and then kind of putting the pressure on the opposing offense. If they're able to do that, I think Idaho's going to be in a good position to win. But I think Shallwater just has a little bit more talent. But, of course, that's why people prove me wrong, right? <laughs> right, yeah. That's always we like to give people motivation. So, And then it also helps for Idaho. They have their quarterback back with Dylan Lopez. So yep. They kind of have a little bit of an advantage there, but we'll see how it all pans out. Like I said, motivational speaker. I I can help you for free. I'm not going to charge <laughs> you. But uh, going to the next game, I guess what what else do we got? I know you had a couple more that you really kind of wanted to chat about. Yeah, I guess we can go um, Amarillo Friendship next. That'll cool. be a, a, another good one as far as uh, in six A. Yep, for those absolutely. Friendship being a six A, and then of course Amarillo I. Uh, Coming down for this one, going to Wolfworth, it's going to be a real big test for uh, friendship. As we've mentioned before, Donovan Smith, the transfer from Bishop uh, Gorman out in Las Vegas, see what he has to offer. You got Drew Hocutt at the wide receiver position. You got some other guys as well. Daniel Garland, who's a speedster. We'll see if he's able to kind of maybe work some inside receiver, outside receiver. And at least for me, I think this is really the telling game for friendship. How are you going to set up your season? Are you going to kind of punch it in the mouth, so to speak, as Jay Northcutt would like to see, or are you just going to kind of let uh, let the tempo dictate itself to you? Yeah, well, then you figure last year, as close as it was, it was a 48-41 game in favor of Amarillo. You figure, you know, that's got to be in the back of in the back of a lot of guys' minds. I remember talking to some of them um, earlier in the summer, and they really felt like they could have won that Amarillo yeah. game. You know, that was one that they felt like kind of got away after, especially after coming off of a winless season in 2017. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, they finally got their, their first one there against Hershey the week after. But I'm pretty convinced that, that that's going to stick in their mind last year, you know, that, that seven-point margin. And so they're going to want to come out here with something to prove. I know they talked about, you know, getting back that experience, with a lot of them having played for three years. So um, I think they're going to come out super fired up just because of that, the fact that it's the first game of the season, they're at home. I mean, so many factors are just kind of in their favor for them to have a really explosive game. Well, all those are important. The biggest one that really did kind of hurt them last year in that game was turnovers. If they can keep those down, that's going to put them in a real good position to win because they've got the talent to score. They've got the talent to move the football and move the chains and to slow down the opposition. But if you turn the ball over and you give easy chances to the to the opposition, that's going to really hurt you, and that's what hurt them last year. But I think they're a little bit better this year, and I think they're going to get that win against Emerald High. What do you got next? So the next one would be Plainview at Levelin. That's ah, a game I was at last year. That you were. When Levelin was at Plainview, mm-hmm. um, and the biggest thing would be there's no Gerber. <laughs> Good old Chris. Nick is at WT, so uh, who do you got now left at Leveland? Um, not a whole lot. You've got a new quarterback in the yep. system. Um, you've got a new coach, mm-hmm. uh, who actually came from Monterey. Yep. And so, um, you know, they'll be kind of looking to put some things together. They'll be at home. So that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have on the other end, Plainview, who has experience back. They have, you know, they had a lot of juniors last year. And so this year they're coming in, those guys have experience. And so, um, you know, they'll be coming in to, to win, obviously. Mm-hmm. As um, both would, I would Right. Hope. You know, it's kind of the point of sports, right? Yes. But, uh, yeah, and then you have, I think, the biggest difference maker for Plainview coming in would be Peyton McNutt. Yes. Um, he was really good last year. Then he, he got, got hurt, injured. unfortunately, yes. Yeah, darn injury bug. Yes. Um, and actually, last year, Andrew Villa, who was there starting teal about, yep. got hurt in that leveling game. So, um, you know, I think that, 
played a factor in it. Levelin obviously won 36 to 0. So mm-hmm. I think coming in this year, Levelin will have a little more to work out. But uh, I think it'll be another competitive, or it will be a competitive game. I agree. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Andy Carell, the offensive coordinator from Monterey, really kind of puts his little stamp on this offense because you obviously don't want to put too much on these kids. They obviously already run a wide-open system from last year with uh, their previous head coach. It's just a matter of, as you mentioned, can you find all the athletes to do what you want to do on offense? And I think they will. Leveland's always been known to have some real speedy kids. Last year you had, of course, uh, Zach Betancourt. He was a real good player. You had some real good players on the defensive side. Can you kind of make that your calling card? Because that's what's been their calling card every year is Leveland and Estacado. Who's the better defensive team? That's going to probably be answered later on this uh, regular season when maybe both play is that one probably for the district title once again. So right. it'll it, it, it'll certainly be a fun little season for us. But I guess for you, I guess what what do you kind of what do you kind of think happens in this one? I think, like you mentioned, it'll probably be low scoring just because of Leveland's defense. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the score will be something like. Uh, 20 to 7, Leveland. Look at you giving a score. Yeah. Right, right before you just said you don't like giving scores. Now everyone's going to be mad at you when, when your score's not right. So have fun <laughs> with that. As we, uh, of course, kind of wrap things up going into this, we've got all the scores and predictions, as we mentioned before. We're going to have all that in the newspaper starting on Thursday. We're going to have uh, predictions for all the players and teams that like to kind of put that on the old locker room board. As I said, I'm a free motivational speaker. Feel free to have me all you want. If not, you can pick up the newspaper for about a buck and you can have some great motivation going into your football game. So appreciate y'all listening. Uh, Don't forget to check out all of Alexis's articles in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal starting on Monday. She has a nice column that she puts in, whether it be volleyball, football, there's going to be a story about it. And then, of course, some subheads on some other things that are happening around the area. So be sure to help her out and obviously get a hold of her and kind of give her any results or anything that happened throughout that. And then, of course, the usual Friday night football coverage that we have at LoneStarVarsity.com, at LoneStarVarsity on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash LoneStarVarsity. You can get all that information as well, along with all the previews, features, and then, of course, the gamer tonight as we record this on Tuesday from the Plains at Idaloo volleyball match as well. Anything you want to kind of get off your chest there? Nope, just looking forward to looking forward to the, the season, ready for football. Yes, same here. So let's kick it off and let's uh, end this podcast before, or at least end this portion of the podcast. The second part, of course, as I mentioned before, we'll have Shallow Water Head Coach Brian Wood. We'll chat with him about his team, what he likes. Uh, what he's expecting from the first uh, first game of the season and more. So appreciate y'all listening. We'll get we'll get back to you in a little bit. And hello everyone. This is Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, where we bring on a coach from a team that we're going to cover a game for. And this edition brings Shallow Water head coach Brian Wood. How you doing, coach? I'm good, thank you. Hey, well, uh, obviously, uh, this is the time of the year that I think all coaches and players are kind of happy because now you guys get to see someone else, right? Instead of just kind of kind of bumping each other. Yeah, it's, it's that it's that time of year. You get through about a month of football practice, nearly, and uh, you're ready to certainly play somebody else and, and, and put these scrimmages behind us. 
And uh, I know, obviously, for you guys, you got Idaloo coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that. But before that, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about your team because I know last year was a very fun year for you. Obviously, you had your son kind of playing for you. Unfortunately, had some injuries and stuff that kind of didn't allow for some things. But I guess just for you, what, what were you kind of expecting going into this year after that deep playoff run, 13-1, and and kind of kind of losing some key pieces from you all last year? Well, I think it's, uh, it's like any other year – as far as when you lose uh, a senior group, you know, mm-hmm. you got to figure out where people fit in and who are, who are going to replace those spots. It was just, it was a, it's a unique uh, year this time because we, we graduated 23 seniors yep. and uh, we had about eight or nine of those guys that played a, a bunch of football both ways. So uh, there's lots and o- lots of open spots and, and uh, just with, with a few key returners back, you know, the, the key to the whole deal is going to be how these kids come off of Thursday nights uh, playing JV football and, and freshman football and, and, and how they adapt to Friday the, the speed of the Friday night game and how quick they can do that. And so uh, certainly last year was a fun ride. And then, uh, you know, we, we want to try to – the expectation is uh, to get those spots filled and, and build the football team that, that these guys can be. And, and so they know the expectation is just going to be a – uh, a process here over the next five weeks of, of preseason to to figure out where everybody belongs and, and our job as coaches to get them in the right spots and, and put them in the best schemes to be successful. And I know you kind of alluded to it, kind of losing so many seniors and having to fill some open spots. So how important were scrimmages for you all just in terms of just getting film on kids or just kind of seeing where the confidence level was for some of these JV guys that, like you said, at some point are going to be under those Friday night lights? Yeah, it's critical just because you know it's you can't really get a feel for what what a kid um, is going to do when the lights come on and, until you get them against a different color. And so those scrimmages, the two scrimmages where we were um, able to get film on them and look at them and, and do study with them and, and co- make corrections and, and and praise them when they were doing things mm-hmm. correctly. And so there, there's a lot to that. Uh, certainly, we don't have it all figured out. And then, uh, that's why you play uh, these five practice games to figure out where uh, where everybody belongs. And also, you know, I think one of the toughest things you have to do as a coach is you've got to adapt your scheme and, and what you try to yeah. do to the type of kids you have. And so uh, we'd be crazy to think we can just fill people into those spots we had last year and do all those same things. That's, that's not what we're going to be able to do. We're going to look different, and uh, we just got to figure out you know, here in the next month, month and a half, uh, what that looks like and, and put our kids in the right spot. Now, I know you kind of mentioned you lost a bunch of seniors, but you also bring some guys back. Creed Katara, a guy that obviously very unselfish, played defensive back, was really good for you last year, had a nose for the ball, but now he's going to be playing wide receiver. I guess how big is it just to have a kid like Creed and obviously some other guys that have that buy-in already and are kind of ready to be those coaches on the field for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge just because – Guys like Creed, you know that Creed's been a starter. This will be his third year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved him up his middle of his sophomore year, and he's been playing since. And so uh, Creed and then Gage Sawyer back at linebacker, and we got a, a, our our only returning lineman is Grant Johnson, mm-hmm. who was a two way guy for us last year. And then uh, he had Hunter Gossett, who's who played with played both ways last year. Of course, so really, it's really just four four or five guys that uh, have starting Friday night experience and then they're going to have to uh, they, they've got a huge role in growing these young guys and, and building confidence and building relationships with them that 
to, you know, create that bond that you got to have to have a good football team. And so while the coaches have a job to do, so of these returning starters and guys that uh, have the experience to kind of help these guys feel their way around and, and understand the work ethic that they got to bring each day and how they take coaching and how they correct mistakes and, and so forth. You're listening to the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. We're talking with Shallow Water head coach Brian Wood, who ha- coming off a 13-1 uh, regional finalist run, 5-0 and last year with the Mustangs. Coach, uh, just kind of along those same lines as well, I know we'll talk a little bit about quarterback and kind of all those other things, but just for you, just to – obviously you've kind of done this a long time. Is this the first time you've had a team that's lost that many seniors, and do you kind of feel like it's a balance of teaching slash trying to add some new wrinkles, or is it a matter of just trying to keep it simple at this point? Well, I think that's a, that's a really good question because I, I think the mistake that some coaches make is um, you try to do too much, yep. too quick, and uh, something that you if something's not working, you try to change it, or you might I'm going to get rid of this play and, and start doing this because uh, that was just not working. You you have to be really patient with young kids, and and so we you know we got a foundation of two or three plays that we know we're going to run. Yeah. Uh, but we got ten more that we'd like to get added to it, you know, mm-hmm. like like we were able to with with the pass group. But we may not ever get there. So uh, the key to it is to to be patient and get really good at a few things and not just be average at a bunch of things. And and so we're going to be patient with that, and our kids are going to have to have to be that way as well. And, but we're preaching it to them, you know. It's a it's a matter of selling a product to to kids and and having them have faith and trust in us and, and fortunately we're in our third year here as a coaching staff and mm-hmm. that they believe in what we're doing and uh, but they also know that there's going to be some there's a learning curve and there's going to be some bumps in the road so uh, you know I mean, it's not going to be pretty all the time mm-hmm. you know here these first five weeks but we're going to grow from it and we'll correct it and, and the key is to get better every week for uh, the next 10 weeks and if you do that then, then you're successful and then I think we'll we'll get a postseason shot. I know, uh, kind of alluded to it, but with uh, quarterback, you had a kid in Cutter Sparks that was probably a, a kid that kind of knew the offense like the back of his hand, but you lose him. I guess, what what are you looking at a quarterback, and I guess how are you looking to kind of bring him along? Because I know Cutter was there your first year. It was after he kind of took his bumps and bruises the, the previous year, but it seemed like he kind of grew under, grew under you and the staff. Yeah, Cutter was, man, Cutter's just a special kid, and, and – uh, not only a, a great quarterback leader type guy, but just, just a great person. And um, he he was a quiet leader, but he just did it. You know, he did everything uh, by example. And so, you know, that's I think when you have a quarterback uh, and you're looking for uh, looking to fill a position, you got to create competition and you got to build some confidence in those guys. And uh, that has a lot to do with just. Uh, them studying the game and, mm-hmm. and you have to build them. You got to build that quarterback the way you want him. And I, I think, you know, we're in that same boat this year. We, we had two or three guys that we weren't sure who was going to be the quarterback and with Dylan Kelly and Brecken Ramos. And mm-hmm. then we, we had another young man named Breck Boyers. Anyway, so we just, just kind of been an open competition, but I've, I've told them that we're not going to be a, a dual quarterback system. And we're, so we're going to go with Dylan Kelly this mm-hmm. week and, and, Give him a shot to take over the reins and, and see what he can do. He's done a great job in the uh, in practices and in the scrimmage, and so he's going to get his shot. He's a senior, and, and and but he also knows Breck and uh, can handle it as well. And, mm-hmm. and so 
it's just going to be a weekly decision as we go through these next five weeks and then we'll, we'll get one locked in for district play and that's that's the route we'll go speaking of uh your next five weeks uh you kind of didn't do any favors for your team you got some pretty tough teams especially the first one idaloo uh i guess what what do you kind of feel you're going to learn from your team when you do play a team like idaloo that I mean, for for lack of a better term, they're they're, they're going to punch you in the mouth with their defense and kind of punch you in the mouth again with their running game. Yeah, it's a it's a good start. I think you know. I think sometimes that when you're a little bit unsure of what you got, uh, it's not, it doesn't hurt to get punched in the mouth. And and so I think it's a very going to be a real physical football game. I, yeah. I think we're going to grow up a lot. I think in two and a half hours we're going to grow up a lot. And and sometimes it's just uh, especially with young kids, uh, they have to. The only way to for them to understand Friday night speed of the game is to play in their first Friday night. So yeah. some of those guys that think they know what it's going to be like Friday night don't really know. Uh, they're they're going to know about nine thirty or ten o'clock Friday night. Yeah. So uh, it's gonna, they're going to be a tough opponent. And but hey, the four after that are, are good ones too. So uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a growth process and a patience process. And but our, our kids are just they're good kids and they work hard and they're coachable and. I just know we're going to get there. I believe we're going to get there. We won't be there early, but uh, we're going to get there, and and I think our kids believe that. Last one before we let you go here, Coach. Uh, Kind of putting the the, the little hat on, uh, not not, not to predict anything, but I guess for you, what would you consider a successful season for the Shallow Water Mustangs? Well, there's no – I never put – I get asked that question when I've interviewed before, and it's always the same answer to me. Uh, I can't give you a number. Uh, What – what I want to do is get every drop that we can get out of these kids, mm-hmm. uh, make sure that they played at their at their level, at their potential level, and then uh, we want to play in the postseason. And I think, I mean, that's that's the expectation around this place. It's my expectation. It's our kids' expectation. So uh, we don't care what that number looks like as long as uh, November 14th we're playing a bi-district football game. Once again, appreciate the time. Shallow Water Head Coach Brian Wood. You can follow him on Twitter at BR. Wood 1988 uh, had a great uh, tweet there, Coach. Uh, it was pretty hot, but uh, when when in, when when, when uh, you're on turf, it is about 180. I remember doing that for tech tech football a couple of days ago. And my shoes are melting, so God bless those yes, kids. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I appreciate the time, Coach, and uh, appreciate everyone listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. You can listen to us next week. Talk to you then.